this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host ji sampath the ukraine war has been raging for nearly 7 months and the dominant pattern so far has been russia making slow and incremental gains in territory but this pattern was abruptly broken over the past week as ukraine made rapid gains in the north and northeast according to media reports ukrainian forces were able to regain 2000 to 3000 square kilometers of territory russian troops have been driven out of cities like kupyansk and izium which are critical from the perspective of military logistics and supply lines how would the loss of these logistical hubs and territory affect russia's military campaign what enabled ukraine to make these rapid gains and do they signify a turning point in the war and how will these losses impact president putin politically back in russia we look for answers to these questions and more in this episode and we have with us stanley johnny the hindu's international affairs editor stanley thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me sampath Stanley can you give us a quick overview of Ukraine's gains in territory and Russia's losses over the past week or so Yeah um Sampath as you pointed out in the intro the Ukrainians have taken over swaths of territories in the northeast especially in the Kharkiv oblast so this includes Izium and uh, Kupiansk which are uh, important logistical hubs for the Russians so these logistical hubs uh could have been important when the russians move on to take the rest of the donets province which the russians have said is one of their goals because they wanted to take over the whole of donets and lugansk and the lugansk is with them already the whole of lugansk oblast but parts of donets are still with the ukrainians the russians have said russian generals russian foreign minister they all have said it on the record that they wanted to liberate within courts uh, the whole of donets So uh, if you look at it from that point of view this is a major setback and also you know Kharkiv is not very far from the Russian border I think the Kharkiv the second largest city is maybe some 50 60 kilometers from the border and the Kharkiv oblast is lying along the mainland Russian border so from there they had to pull back and I think this is uh, uh, also the retreat was so quick and they didn't resist the ukrainians at all uh, in most of these places so i think i assume that it was a decision taken at the top uh, the russian soldiers were asked to retreat instead of fighting because because they don't have the wherewithal they don't have the enough numbers uh, or they don't have uh, strong fortifications or defensive lines to resist the ukrainians or to delay the ukrainian advance in this part of the territory So I think they were asked to pull back and uh, focus on uh, elsewhere and that explains the rapid quick uh, lightening Ukrainian advance in northeastern Ukrainian territories that were held by the Russians right and according to media reports Ukraine apparently carried out a double offensive first they launched an attack in the south near Kherson that drew in a large number of Russian troops and then they followed this up with an offensive in the north uh, near Kharkiv that you just spoke about where as we know they met with very little resistance so this was the kind of blitzkrieg uh, attacks that we were expecting from the russians and we saw a little bit of it at the very beginning 
and then thereafter it's been a war of attrition but it is now the ukrainians that have managed to pull off such a lightning fast attack and although of course 200 days into the war so how how did this become possible is it due to better battlefield tactics or is it due to the infusion of uh, nato weapons like uh, himars like what what made this possible i think everything played a part in it himars and battlefield tactics plus Uh, intelligence from uh, the united states and the uk there were detailed reports in nyt saying that uh, the american british and the ukrainian you know intelligence leaders they had started planning this counter offensive months ago so there were active participation by the us and the uk intelligence uh, agencies in planning the counter offensive and also if you look at the battlefield tactics i think uh, you know when you look at it uh, through the available facts I think the Ukrainians did well in a sense see you pointed out the offensive in Kherson so uh, they started with uh, uh, the offensive in Kherson in early September uh, and then they had also carried out some sabotage attacks in Crimea so their operations were focused on the southern axis which I think forced the Russians to redeploy some of the troops from the northeast to the south where they built strong fortifications and uh, the ukrainian offensive in the south actually failed at least for now they didn't uh, make any significant dramatic advances in the south they were stopped but the question is whether the southern offensive was actually aimed at liberating kherson or whether that was uh, part of a tactic to distract the russians from the northeast it is possible you know because uh, uh this uh, nyt report was saying that uh, the us intelligence had identified the weak spots in the russian defensive lines and conveyed the same to the ukrainians and they were involved in planning the counter offensive so it's possible that they may have concluded that the russian defensive lines were weak in uh, the northeast but whereas in the south where kherson is you know one of the prized possessions of the russians because it was the first city that fell into the russian hands and the russians uh, uh, you know they spent a lot of time and they lost a lot of lives of russian soldiers to take uh, the cities in the south and southeast right whereas in the kharkiv region they made these advances at the very beginning of the conflict because these were barren lands like where you make advances and retreats uh, quickly so uh, the russian defensive lines were apparently weak in the northeast compared to the south in the south they had built strong defenses So I think it's possible that the Ukrainian attacks in Crimea and Kherson were aimed at distracting the Russian attention from uh, the south and forcing the Russians to regroup uh, their resources to the south which made their position in the northeast even weaker and the Ukraine Ukrainians carried out a lightning attack uh, you know that the Russians were left with no other option I think but to retreat Right, you spoke about intelligence gathering and sharing between the Americans, the British, and the Ukrainians. Uh, but was there, uh, on the flip side, an intelligence failure on the part of the Russians? How could they not be uh, prepared or even anticipate such a counteroffensive? Yeah, I think uh, this counteroffensive talk was there in the media for quite some time. I was uh, reading a Guardian article in late August talking about the coming Ukrainian counteroffensive. So uh, I think everybody knew that counteroffensive was coming that everybody knew that the counteroffensive was uh, being planned but the question is whether the Russians uh, understood uh, whether the Russians had uh, intel proper intel on where 
exactly the counter offensive would take place maybe they thought that it's happening in the south whereas the ukrainians always wanted to attack the northeast so that could be where uh, they failed you know the intelligence failure so whatever the reason is uh, i think uh, the russians you know failed to stop the ukrainians yeah definitely they failed to stop the ukrainians in the northeast and uh, if you look at it from an ukrainian point of view this is the most uh, important battlefield victory ukraine has taken in the last 7 months right because uh, respective of the narrative you see in the media ukraine kept losing territories even the russian uh, pull back from kharkiv and uh, from the surroundings of kiev uh, earlier this year that was in, that that came immediately after the istanbul talks it was not that the ukrainians had pushed the russians back from kharkiv from the outskirts of kharkiv or kiev but here here the russian troops were actually pushed out of these villages by the ukrainian troops ukrainian the advancing ukrainian soldiers that i think is a very important battlefield victory for the ukrainians so the russians could also give a spin like you see the russian russian defense ministry was saying that uh, troops were withdrawn uh, for regrouping and i was also checking some telegram channels pro russian telegram channels saying that this is faint which is a classical strategy of uh, you know tactical retreat and then that would be followed by a major offensive so uh, you know the russians are trying to give it a spin but i think at the end of the day you look at the narrative the ukrainians have taken territories they pushed the russians out of the villages they were controlling uh, through the military operation and then they can also take a you know a moral uh, victory here because uh, the weapons and intelligence uh, and uh, economic assistance everything is coming from the west it this is not a conflict between russia and ukraine right this is basically a proxy conflict that is happening inside ukraine where ukrainian troops are backed militarily and in terms of intelligence economically by the united states eu uh, and uh, the uk so ukraine has to deliver something you know to make sure that this assistance keeps coming so when you look at it from that point of view ukrainians have taken uh, a decisive uh, battlefield victory i think and it is a clear setback for the russians right you spoke about how this is a uh, kind of a proxy war which is taking place in ukraine with russia on the one side and ukraine backed by the us eu and uk on the other now we know that on actually on the battlefield so to speak russia is at a super superior level in terms of pure military hard power and maybe even manpower let us say but would you say in terms of intelligence inputs and intelligence gathering russia is in an inferior position uh, and that the americans and the british have a superior intelligence intelligence gathering uh, machinery with their satellite networks and so on which is helping them uh, achieve this kind of victory which the russians don't have access to no we can say with certainty that the us intelligence is playing a major role in whatever gains the ukrainians are making so i think that makes a difference uh, when it comes to ukraine's territorial gains so this is not only this uh, uh, not only about the kharkiv offensive uh, you do you remember that several russian generals were killed in combat by the ukrainians so apparently there were uh, you know um, extensive reports saying that uh, the, the american intelligence had helped tip them off had provided hard uh, intel uh, to the ukrainians to target russian officers and uh, top military generals and then um, you know uh, this thing also this uh, northeast offensive also 
and NYT itself, quoting American officials, say that American intelligence officials were involved in planning this counteroffensive. And the U.S. weapons kept coming into Ukraine. So it's not only HIMARS, of course, HIMARS probably might have played a major role. But it's not only about HIMARS. It's also, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of ammunition, uh, shells. Uh, so, and the United States has announced some $14.5 billion uh, worth of military aid alone for Ukraine. So the United States sees this conflict as an opportunity to trap Russia inside Ukraine or weaken Russia further. And the U.S. has said that in as many words, like Austin, uh, the defense secretary, has. this is not a secret. Austin has said, uh, even Blinken has said, uh, that the U.S. sees this as an opportunity. So U.S. is uh, actually doubling down on Ukraine without sending troops to the ground because they see that that could be seen as a provocation. But they do, every, they do everything else. On the other side, the Russians had warned against the American military supplies to Ukraine. But I don't think that they were able to do anything to stop that. They had carried out military strikes, missile strikes, etc. to stop. But beyond that, the Russians have failed to stop the U.S. military assistance coming to Ukraine. So this, I think, uh, intelligence, weapons, planning. So this active involvement of the U.S. and the U.K. and to a certain extent, uh, some European countries, EU countries, I think has helped Ukraine. So everything has played a role in it. I mean, helped in a sense, I am not saying when I say help Ukraine, I am I'm talking about the specific context of Ukraine's limited battlefield gains. I am not saying that the war has turned around. I'm not saying that this will be a major momentum shift, etc., etc. For all that, we have to wait and see. But you look at the particular military gains, yeah, this is significant. And in those military gains, I think all these factors that we discussed uh, have played a major role. Plus, uh, the fighting by the Ukrainian troops and the generals. Right. And what has been Russia's response to these uh, reverses, these losses? Because we've read some reports uh, where some Russian spokespersons have said that they're going to conduct massive military uh, missile strikes and so on. So what has been their response on the ground? Yeah, I think Russia has already started carrying out major military strikes, major missile strikes after they withdrew from ICM and Kupiansk and other parts, which uh, is now undergoing. But see, until the counteroffensive began, Russia was on the offensive and Ukraine was trying to hold territories. And Ukraine kept losing territories, right? Russian advances were slow, incremental, but still, you know, Russia, Ukraine had lost some more than 20% of its territory. And we are talking about uh, Europe's largest country, minus Russia, right? So Russia was on the offensive. So here for the first time, Ukraine was on the offensive. And Russia was trying to defend, but then it decided not to defend and then it retreated. In that sense, this is a shift in the pattern of the conflict of the, of the last seven months, if you look at it that from that point of view. Yeah, but at the same time, what the Russians are going to do next? So the Russians would like to, uh, you know, beef up their defenses of Saporizhia and Kherson, Lugansk border, and the, the regions they are already controlling in uh, Donetsk. So Putin's uh, main bet, I think the winter is coming, right? By November, the winter would set in. That would freeze the conflict. So why Ukraine is doing the counteroffensive now is that it, it, it wants to make maximum gains in terms of land before the winter actually sets in. Because once the winter sets in, Russia has some advantages. 
one thing of course is that uh, it's military uh, you know it's the economic conflict uh, it has now uh, with the west the russia would have an advantage over the gas supplies once the winter sets in and then secondly the battlefield movements would be frozen more or less frozen this kind of advan- advances what we see now would not be there and then um, lastly that would give russia time to prepare for the next summer uh, operations it could be a, we don't know whether it is a general mobilization or uh, make sure that proper supply lines are in place procurement of weapons so whatever that would uh, open a window of opportunity for the russians to prepare for the next offensive so i think the russian plan is to hold the line till the winter sets in but on the other side the ukrainian i mean they can they can carry out missile strikes air strikes but on the battlefield they would i think their plan is to hold the line hold the territories uh, to keep the territories that they are already holding whereas on the other side the ukrainian plan would be to take more territories before the conflict goes into a temporary frozen phase so that's why ukraine is trying to make a uh, major moves but the question is whether ukraine would continue to keep the momentum i don't know i mean we don't know we have to wait and see that right you while speaking of russia's response you said they basically would want to hold the line and strengthen their defenses especially in the lugansk region and around kherson because those territories which they want are uh, crucial and very important for them so are you saying that they are not going to be making any effort at least in the near term to regain the territory that they have lost in the last 10 days i don't think so so they going to live with that lost territory yeah i think so i think their plan would be to i may be wrong but i think i assume their plan would be to bolster their defenses of saporizhia kherson lugansk and donetsk it would not be to push for other regions not now not immediately see the russians took uh, severodonetsk and uh, lysychansk uh, and uh, with that they took the whole of lugansk months ago and uh, since then the russians haven't made any battlefront advances they haven't made any real push on the battlefield they kept carrying out military missile strikes they kept carrying out long range attacks but on the battlefield they haven't so i think that is an indirect uh, way of uh, you know indirect uh, recognition of uh, the limitations they face in terms of uh, manpower so russia has to mobilize more forces or it has to you know procure weapons it has to uh, make up for the losses it suffered in the initial phase of the conflict to make further pushes on the battlefield and that's what ukraine is now trying to exploit at this point of time so when president putin announced his special military operation right he didn't call for a war he hasn't called for a general mobilization uh, so with a special military operation basically the russians went into ukraine what 100000 russian troops went into ukraine which has a 600000 standing army so that from a conventional military point of view it doesn't make sense but it could be uh, now there are uh, several intelligence estimates and analysis saying that the russians actually ac- expected a quick collapse of the ukrainian defense that didn't happen which uh, uh, forced putin to fight a war which the russian troops were not ready to actually fight but still they made some gains in the east they made actually substantial gains in the east over the last 7 months but they are also facing some limitations on the battlefield 
that is what ukraine is now armed and supported by the west is trying to exploit so as of now i think the russians would try to hold the lines wait for the winter and then prepare for the next but on the other side ukraine would keep trying to break the lines of defense until the winter sets in Uh, so stanley it looks like russia seems to be sort of caught in a bind here in terms of as you said they have uh, limitations in terms of how much troops they are willing to commit uh, to this special military operation which is a war but not a war so now should they commit more forces to protect its land bridge around kherson and lugansk provinces or should it commit troops to protect its positions around kharkiv we already see that they are willing to let go of uh, the kharkiv area in order to sort of focus on the south but then uh, putin has already started facing flack from russian nationalists who have openly criticized him for not undertaking a general mobilization i mean many uh, russian analysts themselves seem to be convinced that russia can no longer win the war without committing all of its troops so can you explain putin's dilemma here why isn't he uh, committing more troops because in in one of the reports which which i read it said that in the offensive uh, in the counter offensive around kharkiv region russian soldiers uh, russian troops are outnumbered 8 to 1 i mean that that makes uh, no sense in terms of putting up a defense which is why probably they decided to withdraw so uh, why is russia avoiding a larger mobilization so that in, especially when you see that it it sort of increases the chances of you know getting uh, their objectives here in this whole operation so i think for larger mobilization it ha- this has to be a political a uh, decision putin has to make and the risks uh, would also be higher because uh, then you will have to draft civilians and train them all and it would also take time no why why would you have to draft civilians if they have a 500000 uh, army of which only 100000 are, are deployed in ukraine what about the remaining 400000 but then russia is a huge country and these troops have been deployed in several parts of russia on across the borders and you also have uh, reserves preparing for eventualities right because uh, in georgia russians went there in georgia in 2008 georgia is now some politicians in georgia are now talking about opening a second front so russia has to maintain the defenses there to make sure the status quo is in place and in nagorno karabakh in uh, armenia azerbaijan where the russians have sent some 2000 peacekeeping forces where now the conflict is again raging because armenia is a collective uh, security uh, member csto member collective security treaty organization member which can call for the russian defenses but azerbaijan apparently seeing that the russians are kind of caught in ukraine so they are trying to take advantage of the situation and is uh, move on to armenian territories so this is see ukraine is a war is it's a special military operation what putin has ordered it's it's the major battlefield which russia is now facing but at the same time he can't pull in all the troops and fight the war in ukraine that would leave uh, chinks in the armor and that would diminish the russian defenses uh, elsewhere so he can't do that so the next option is to go for a general mobilization declare a war that is a possibility but that could be po- unpopular one thing and then secondly which means the uh, russian leader would be pinning his uh, fate on the result of the war if he is going for a general mobilization because if the war still goes awry if the russians do not uh, meet their actual objectives that could be detrimental for putin's political future because putin you know not just putin like walter russell mill uh, wrote yesterday kremlin is no place for the weak in terms of perception 
putin can do everything he can control the government he can do you know uh, whatever he wants to do from within uh, what you know the limitations of his presidency but when it comes to conflict when it comes to uh, these kind of uh, situations i don't think he can't afford to lose this war in ukraine because that would be very very costly so that is some of the repercussions are already there he is facing some criticism there but i think uh, so uh, as of now if you look at the conflict i think their immediate focus the kremlin's immediate focus would be to hold the defensive lines because they can't afford to lose kherson after all the things they have said over the last 7 7 months they can't definitely afford to lose territories in in donetsk and lugansk so their focus would be given the limitations they are facing now would be to bolster the defense lines and then prepare for uh, a larger offensive in the future right until now of course all these months we were speaking of the russian offensive in ukraine and it's very different now that we're talking of russia holding the defensive line and that's clearly a shift even though maybe it's not a decisive shift in the in the way the war is unfolding and i think the russians would uh, i think be waiting they can't really wait for the winter to set in soon enough so that things sort of quieten down on the ground and they can begin to consolidate and plan ahead thank you so much stanley for sharing your thoughts and insights hopefully uh, we'll come back and uh, revisit this top subject again in a few weeks thank you so much sure sampa thanks in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon